Okay. Good morning. Peter, recovered alcoholic. <clears throat> I feel like I'm at a union meeting for a longshoreman. Um, good morning, everyone. Marsha, great talk. Thank you. Um, my topic here is, uh, let's see, in service to God and others. And uh, it's like giving a talk on the F train. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm mindful. I'm present. I'm focused. Okay. Um, you know, I, I never have a clue uh, what I'm going to say when I do these things. They give me a topic. I got an idea what the topic's about. And, uh, okay, step one, and then we go, and whatever topic it is. And, um, the, and the being unprepared is, is allows me to be very prepared, if that makes any sense. Uh, because if I prepare for a talk, um, I um, – is it a hit? Okay. If I found if you prepare for it, this is crazy. If you prepare for a talk, um, the talk is yours. And it's really your ego coming out to so you make sure all the dots are connected, all the T's are crossed, so I give you a really good impression of me. And uh, it's interesting, and, and uh, I have all my, my residents give talks at the podium. They need to break the ice. They need to learn how to do that and share a step that they learned. And, and almost every one of them come up to the podium, what whole thing they wrote in their room, and they're going to expect to read this to you. And I tell them how we do it. Um, so I just, I, all my work for these things um, is out there. When I'm home, when I'm quiet, when I'm meditating, I'm working with others. And, and this ought to just be a reflection of what I do. And so um, <clears throat> looking at this, the, the, the thing I, I, I got here is, I mean, I can talk to you guys about, you know, being of service to God and what that looks like. But back in New York, we have an expression, talk is cheap. And I, I, can, I can, you know, make you think I am you know, should be riding around with the Dalai Lama at the end of this meeting. And uh, even if I was supposed to be doing that, what do you have to go on other than my word? And I hope my word is credible. Based on my performance in the past, based on my actions in the past, my word becomes credible today. <clears throat> so instead of talking about me and what, what, I, what, what my life is like today, I thought of something, um, and it, it, it's in Scripture, and... Um, <clears throat> John is laid up in, in a prison and wants to know if the carpenter is the real deal. If this is the guy. Is this, is this him? And the messenger goes back and says, John wants to know if you're, if you're it. And in fact, this is in one of our pieces of literature, one of our pamphlets in AA. They talk about this. And the carpenter tells this guy, he says, in a nutshell, don't go tell John, um, I'm not going to tell you to go tell John that I'm the guy. He says, go back and tell him, what you've seen, how the lame walk and the blind see, etc. Tell them what you have seen. That's more credibility than anything I can say. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll, I'll talk for a moment on some of the things you guys in AA have done in my life. 
um, to give credibility about what this looks like in carrying this message, what it looks like in practicing these principles in all affairs, what it looks like when we're away from the podium and away from AAs, how a lot of us operate in the sunlight of the spirit. <coughs> a handful of years ago, I was ready to go to a workshop, a weekend deal, and um, got a call the night before that um, we thought my dad was going to be sick, really sick um, with uh, some terminal stuff. And everything got shut down. And I was supposed to leave Friday for this workshop, and obviously I wasn't going. And I called up the chairperson and said, listen, I'm, I'm not moving until uh, I get the reports from the doc, and um, until then I'm going to have to cancel. And he didn't say, what do you mean? We really need you to be there. He understood and um, what happened over the next about two or three hours, my phone was ringing off the hook because everyone who was attending that conference, you know how we AAs keep secrets, right? The half the AA community knew my dad was ill. And the phone was ringing on anything these folks can do for me. Don't worry about the conference, what they're saying. Let us pray. We'll pray over the phone. Whatever we can do. Thank the good Lord, my dad dodged the bullet back then, but AA community rallied around me, and I didn't ask for anyone. How cool was that? I got support. They were legs underneath me, because that day was very, very uh, uh, difficult for me. I had got home from Texas. I was down at Mark's place. I got home. Uh, I landed. I get back to my home in New Jersey, and my phone rings, and uh, my dad called me up, and he says... Uh, your brother's here. Uh, he was supposed to go back to California. Can you come quick? Um, he's having, I think, a nervous breakdown. Should I call 911? Maybe you can talk to him. I don't know. So I make about a 45-minute drive in about 10 minutes. I, I, I was speeding, running lights. I'll make amends when they call that. But uh, I get there, and uh, my brother's a big, big kid. And um, he was he was crumbling in front of me. Now, we had gotten signs of this, and we thought it was just situational. We didn't think it was anything really uh, too uh, uh, urgent. Um, we just it was one of those things. He's an actor, and we just figured he was riding a roller coaster of being in that business, wasn't getting work. But this was way beyond that. And um, what God has given me, that's why I'm really good in what I do for a living. God has given me some gifts. I was telling Dave, I can't balance a checkbook if my life depended on it. And if you put numbers in front of me, you'll go bankrupt right away. But there are certain things uh, that God has given me uh, that I'm really good at. And one is getting in. Just getting in. And I, I, I found over the years that people, strangers, tend to talk to me uh, about their deepest, most innermost things. And, you know, sometimes it's a double-edged sword, but God has given me a gift to do some things here. And um, I was able to do that with my brother and separate for a moment that he's my brother. I was looking at him as someone who's in crisis. And I sat down with him, all my knowledge and know-how, proper use rule. I told my dad, get out of the room and let me sit with my brother. And I was able at some point to put him back together just for a short bit. And um, we got him to the proper doctors, and he got medicated. He was diagnosed with uh, some depression problems and, and was on meds. And thank the good Lord, he's up and running again. Um, he kept telling me how many times, over and over and over again, how incredibly lonely he felt. And anyone's been uh, clinically depressed knows what that's like. There's no way out. And he felt he was in this uh, deep hole. He couldn't get out. He was alone. And his life really wasn't worth it. And this, these were frightening words for me. This is 911 time. Um, what I did was uh, I called up 
all the men I sponsor and a bunch of other men that are close to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I says, I'd like you guys to do me a favor. Can you call my brother? Just a few of them knew my brother. The rest of them, he was a complete stranger. But he was my brother, and I'm part of their life. And uh, I said, would you call him up and just have a chat with him? Because there's a line in our big book, something like, we loan, no loneliness such as few do, or something to, to that effect. And whether you're alky or clinically depressed, loneliness is loneliness, period. And I knew we could rally around what these men do, and I just asked them. Well, they all started calling, calling, and calling, and calling, and calling, and they still, this is a few years ago, still are in touch with my brother. And he found, he has these newfound friends, brothers in Alcoholics Anonymous. My brother was just taken back by who these people calling, your friend Joe, your friend Bill, whoever it might be, just to see how he was doing. And it wasn't the one polite phone call, hi, how are you, I'm, you know, and hey, they were calling. Because they knew how close I am to my brother. They knew how this uh, uh, was going to affect me and how I needed the support by supporting my brother. People in AA rallied around like that. A handful of years ago, uh, I got married in 1991. And I get married, and I'm maybe you call it old school, I don't know, but I get married for once and once only. That's how I approached my first marriage. And uh, bought my first house in my first marriage and, and did all the first things and, and uh, couldn't have kids, but this was for good. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a good husband. I, I, I was I supplied everything I had to to keep the house going. I never run around. And, and this was my life. This, I was going to grow old with this woman and, and to wait till God calls me home. The problem was... Um, I find out shortly into the marriage, she's full-blown alcoholic, and I missed the warning signs, and got addicted to cocaine, and the marriage was blowing up really bad, and uh, uh, it got ugly. And I remember sitting down with my sponsor, Mark, and with this dilemma, it was early in the morning, and he said, well, let me ask you a question. He used to call me money. He said, money, let me ask you a question. If nothing changes, do you want to grow old with this woman? And I had to swallow hard. I said, I can't do this. Everything's being affected. And so I tried therapy, and we tried Al-Anon, we tried treatment, and it was just, you know, talking to a wall, and the marriage ended. And it was a really difficult time for me. I remember sitting on my meditation mat and asking God, what did I do wrong, and weeping. Um, um, what about her life? What about my, what do I do? I was very confused. I got married for good. There's no such thing as divorce. That's not how I do this. <clears throat> and... Um, All my money was taken after the divorce, and the house was left um, um, lost. The, I was almost, I was left near bankruptcy by the time the divorce was over, and um, I was also unemployed, and um, things were going south financially quickly, and my marriage ended, and I didn't have money to pay bills, and I was unemployed, and I'm sober and alcoholics anonymous, and I can't get arrested. I'm sending resumes all over the planet. And no one's biting, and the bills keep coming, and my divorce is going through, and I don't know what to do. Well, there were a handful of men who were really close to me in Alcoholics Anonymous, and they came like the cavalry, not only for emotional support, but who had been divorced in the past, but if I needed financial support. 
Now, thank the good Lord, I have a loving family who kind of helped me out and cushioned the, 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 the fall a little bit. But I had men in AA who I didn't ask who rallied around and uh, got helped get me through those type of uh, times in our life. Because I'm sober, it doesn't mean that I'm going to hit lottery, you know, have a mansion in Costa Rica and come down here wherever I want and, and life is nice. Uh, there's going to be death in the family. There's going to be sickness. There's going to be loss of jobs. There's going to be financial trouble times. There's going to be lots of things that happen. And so how do we walk through that? And I found out I can't do that alone. The John Wayne in me wants me to never ask for help and walk through it just like that. You know, get on a horse and keep riding into the next town. Life doesn't work that way. I found no matter how much we're on a spiritual path, we still have something called human condition or human emotions, and we weep and we cry and we get hurt and we get happy. That I can't, I can't avoid that. It's how it's going to drive me. Depends on my relationship with God. And at that time, during all these times, my mind woke up and said, Steak dinner. Let's get them. Let's go to war right now. We've got it right in the dinner reserve. We can get Pete Marinelli on this one. Dad's really ill. We can get Pete Marinelli on this divorce. We can get Pete Marinelli on the near bankruptcy. We can get Pete Marinelli on employment. Didn't have a shot. I got rocked a little bit, but to, to absorb the blow, AA was there for me. Because the men I'm close to and some of the women I'm close to in Alcoholics Anonymous and all my sponsors and I have always developed very, very tight relationships, uh, and I, I don't give any of that lip service, it's just it is, um, have been able to support me because they were practicing principles in their affairs. There was nothing for them to gain by supporting me through some of those things. Other, that's what they were moved to do because somebody was in trouble. Somebody just needed an ear. Somebody just needed to walk through, walk me through a long night. And I, I think of all of it, it was my dad and the uh, uh, the divorce that, that was the two most difficult things I walked through. Money's difficult, but you can always make money. You know, you'll always get a job someplace. Maybe not the job you want, but you put roof over your head. So I knew somehow that was going to click, and I didn't know how. I just knew, and this is the 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 the, the financial insecurity leaving. I just knew that at some point, somewhere, something was going to pop if I just keep chopping wood and carrying water. But uh, mortality, it's out of my hands, and a divorce is a divorce. And it was very frightening, and I'm really grateful for the AAs who did that and helped me move through that. A um, handful of years ago, I started working with a company in Florida. A um, little consulting, some referrals, and, and, and going down there and giving them talks once in a while. And I like what they were doing. And um, we just developed this business relationship, pretty much. And then it became kind of a friendship. And I've been looking to move to Florida forever, at least 15 years. I'm from New York and New Jersey, and I, I couldn't live up there anymore with the winters. I couldn't do it. And um, I didn't like it anymore. I didn't like it. It was just grinded out every day. And I thought there was just more to this to this life. And um, I work with uh, 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 vision and intent. I've been doing it for years. My sponsor turned me on to that. And they're called I am statements. And um, I've been doing that. Every month I do it. Every year I do the annual. And I just kept putting it out there. Not petitioning God, but if it's his will, the universe is always giving. Um, and I super even cut out this picture of a house on the beach and what I was going to be driving and what I was going to be doing for a living. And uh, <clears throat> I get an invitation oh, uh, last year around October-ish um, 
we'd like you to come down and start up this company for us. And in 20 minutes, it felt like I'm, I'm living in Florida doing what I love to do for a living. I love my work. What I do for a living, I'm good at. Um, uh, I think Rich said it yesterday. He doesn't feel like he's going to work. You know, I, I don't say, oh, man, it's Monday tomorrow. What a drag. It's like I get to work tomorrow. And um, um, I, I love what I do. My sponsor says, what you do for a living, would you do it for free? Yeah. Now they pay me. I think I owe them an amends or something for getting paid for what I do. I love my work. So here I moved to Florida. And uh, I live across the street from the beach. And I have this really neat new new car that I drive. And uh, I, I love where I live. And my dad's a snowbird. And I get to spend time with my dad. But I get to Florida. And I don't know anyone other than maybe three or four guys. And I was like a newcomer showing up at meetings. I'd walk in and... You know, back home was, hey, Pete, and I walked in, and they just say hi. Um, few people knew of me through CD, and it was pointed out, that's Peter M., and then I get to do this workshop. And the town of the area of South Florida has taken me in. It's unbelievable the quick friendships I formed in South Florida as if I knew these folks for 10 years. It's blowing my mind. And how we're able to share with, you know how we are in AA. You know, we can just share with each other as if we knew each other for a long time. There's a, there's a given trust almost with us. It's the fellowship of the spirit, and as Joe used to say, the spirit of the fellowship. It's incredible how we operate. And so here I land in South Florida, and, and in a really short time, it's, it's home. My AA is my home down there. My home where I live is my home. And again, AA showed up for me in my life. So what can I do to give back? Never enough. Never enough. You know, some folks say, what a, I call this service, I have an invitation to come and, 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 and share a message and report to you what God and AA has done for me. And some people very kind say, hey, that's great service you're doing. Um, if you want to call this service like I'm grinding this out, like this is a tough task, you know, not really. For fun and for free. The service I look at is the basic service when you get those drunks um, and they're so twisted up and you know you got to roll up your sleeves even if they want it and you're going to get dirty. You're going to get in there with them, you roll up your sleeves, you sit them down and you start going to work and beating the hell out of their illness, just chopping away. To me, that's the service and comes of age is the basic service we provide as one drunk work with another. You know, this is the fun stuff. I get to do this about 25, 30 weekends a year. And I, I've traveled to places. <clears throat> I'm a kid from Brooklyn. I thought I'm doing in Iceland or Sweden. I mean, make to Costa Rica. How does you know, this happen? People wanting to see me or hear me. It makes absolutely no sense um, for fun and for free. Uh, do I deserve any of the good things that have come to me? Probably not. <clears throat> but according to God, I do. That's why it's happening. But I love working with drunks. It's the way I do service. I work with uh, very, very ill people um, in, in the treatments and the industry. Uh, chronic relapses, uh, you name it, I, we got them. Um, but I couldn't see myself doing anything else for a living. I mean, what would I do? God has blessed me with some talents um, that I'm able to get in and be able to be of great service to others. Uh, It's almost 24 years um, I'm sober. And from the time I landed in South Oaks Hospital for the seventh time till I went to a place in St. Paul 
uh, in Minnesota to follow up uh, with con more care after my seven treatment center. So the halfway house I went to in Hastings, Minnesota, uh, to the few meetings I went to while I was a resident to all the meetings I made in Minnesota, to the three legacies group, to my first sponsor, Tony, uh, to all the guys. We had little Danny and big Vinny, very Brooklyn, right? Little Danny, big Vinny. They were my spiritual gurus at the time. Uh, all the people I've been put in my path since, uh, June 23rd, 1988, including my dad, who's a civilian, and was watching me, his oldest son, die in front of his eyes. God has sent in different people from time to time to speak to me on a level that I could understand and internalize. And sometimes it was, hey, get off your butt and do something. And sometimes it was people just holding me up. Right? Over and over and over and over again, God supplies this sort of abundance. And we tend to think of abundance as my new car, a windfall of money, and I got the job of, you know, of all jobs, and I live on a veranda, you know, in the Mediterranean. That's one, that's nice, that's material. That comes and goes sometimes. Not everything out there is permanent either. But the, the God supply is permanent. Um, there was a gentleman, uh, uh, Bob B., in Hastings, Minnesota, he was running this whole sober operation, and he was a Midwestern giant of a guy, Paul Bunyan guy. And um, uh, he was a good old-timer. And um, with a few months being sober, and uh, I started to experience already a reemergence of ego. And I start to walk a little different and dress a little different, and I had the answers for everyone. And But he picked that up. And he had spoke to me a few times about it, and I saw all of a sudden he became this guy who's just, I'm trying to avoid now. Um, and I walked into the house one time, i never forget this, and one of the counselors says, Bob wants to see you. Now, it was never good. And I went in the back, and he was sitting at his desk, and I walked in, and I sat down, and he said, I didn't tell you to sit. Right? So I stood. Here we go. And uh, he started off about this level, and in about two minutes, he was at a level that was shattering glass and banging his hands with his big on the desk about what was about to happen to me. He saw me going sideways. A little bit, but sideways. And he knew where it was going to take me. And my first reaction was, I'm going to kill him, or I'm going to call some of those guys back home Make a try. I had this whole thing planned out on how to kill Bob B. Because he, he raised his voice to me. Well, I'm going to call Dad. Just some, anything. And I resented him. And I felt myself, when he hit a few buttons, I felt myself, he got the truth. When he says, you're a scared little boy in a man's body. And I almost start to cry, so I'm not going to show him I'm crying. I sucked it up, and I walked out. And I walked about maybe a 100 feet away from his office outside, and something, his God showing up, something said, stop, go back in and sit and talk to him because he's right. It took a lot for me to make a U-turn and go in, and he, he wasn't much nicer. What I learned from that was uh, how AAs support each other. We don't have to give each other a warm fuzzy all the time and say, I love you, you love me, no, I love you more, no, I love you more. Sometimes it could be, hey, get off your ass and do some work. You're about to drink. That's how God sent in the troops to me, another AA practicing principles in his affair. 
He wasn't attached to what, he couldn't stop me from drinking if I was going to go, but he was going to take a shot at doing it. And what I do today with men, I will lie to a drunk on a 12-step call. I, I don't make no bones about that. I, on a 12-step call, I will tell a guy, yes, I'm going to take you to rehab. We have dancing girls. We do, uh-huh. right? We have a, 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 a heated pool. We have golf. Just to get them to treat me. I don't care. If I'm doing a 12-step call and just trying to get a guy to, a, to a, a, a detox, I will tell them anything they want to hear to pull him in off the ledge. Worry about it later. They're about to die. I'm not going to negotiate here with you. I will just tell you, yeah, we're going to, let's go. And then I'll fix it up later. And there's times with drunks where I've raised my voice that people never knew I could holler that loud. I do it usually in my work too. Just to help. Not to make me better than. So AAs, quite frankly, have uh, always been there. Uh, I've said it a million times. I don't have a life. AA is my life. It gives me life. It gives me God. And uh, no matter what I try to do, and my life is AA in service in any capacity, no matter what I try to give back, guys, um, I, I still don't pay the bill here. It's an ongoing piece of work for me. And as long as God wakes me up in the morning and keeps me sober and gives me the direction, the power, the courage, the strength to chop wood, carry water, I'm all in. Uh, and anyone who knows me, this, this, is, this is it for me. Um, what you see is what you get. And I invite anyone into my life. I've been, some arrows been thrown at me over the years by many. Um, I invite those folks into my life and, and see how I walk. You may not like me, but you'll respect how I live. And sometimes when you do this a bunch of times, people are always looking for a little crack in the armor. Well, I'll tell you, there's plenty of cracks here, man. I don't hide that. But I invite you into my life. Trust me, you won't get hurt. And I won't be bringing harm to others. That's how God has molded me. You know, I've been out there a long time. I hear some folks, uh, you know, who are doing this longer than I have, and they're so pretentious and conceited. It's very frightening. I hope to never become that. Because rather than becoming that, I'd rather God just keep me working in the Salvation Army. You know? So it's all about love and service. That's all I got. Peace.